0: Hi, I'm Jane O'Reilly and this is Ageless. I'm 40 and my life is just getting started. I'm here to share real talk and real experiences about how to live life ageless. Nothing's off the table. You know the vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to Ageless. I'm Jane Riley and today I am joined by Dr. Greg. He is a licensed psychologist and clinical trainer with over 30 years of experience in the field. He has been featured on numerous television shows including The Today Show, The Doctors, and Bravo's LA Shrinks, and he is known for his warm and engaging approach to therapy. Dr. Greg is also a prolific writer and public speaker with a particular focus on issues related to LGBTQ+ mental health and wellness. He currently maintains a private practice in Los Angeles and serves as a clinical professor at UCLA. Dr. Greg, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's very nice to be here. By the way, that bio was written by AI. <laughs> I just I decided I was had to write a bio for something. I have them that I've written. But I said, let's see what AI does with it. And I actually like theirs a little better.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. My boyfriend uses that too. Um, That is wild. And I loved it. It's perfect.
1: Okay. It captures it very succinctly. So it's nice.
0: I would have to agree. It really does. Um, And for the record, I absolutely loved LA Shrinks. Oh, It helped me so much. You were amazing on that show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it was a good experience. It was a good. It was a good and challenging experience, but it was good. Yeah.
0: I bet. I bet. How long did that show run for?
1: Just a year. Uh, just one season. Uh, but it's too bad, you know. Um, yeah, I think our ratings were generally good, but there were some other issues in the background that I didn't know about at the time, and later came out that you know. So, oh well, that happens. That happens in that world.
0: It's television.
1: Yeah, it's television. It's <laughs> so,
0: Well, yeah. um, just to sidestep a little. So today I wanted to talk about anger management and how it affects mental health. Yeah. And I feel like there are so many layers to anger and from personal experience, life altering to say the least. Um, and I realized that anger is a natural human expression, but where does it really come from?
1: That's a good question. Uh, anger is, yeah, you're exactly right that it's natural. And we sort of need anger. You know, if we're to talk about anger in a healthy way, we kind of have to say that anger is um, something we need as human beings. It's not certainly the most desired state of emotion, but it does help us to rally, to, to gain force, and to... um to accomplish things when we need to have that emotional background to help accomplish them. It may be something very big, like somebody attacking us, that our anger or rage could help um, to defend ourselves. Or it could be something, if we dial it down on the emotional scale, could be something like an annoyance, where it helps us to communicate with a partner about A problem that we have that we can work out so we can have a better relationship. Um, So it it basically has always been there. And it seems to be one of the more primitive of emotions, because when we look at how emotions developed, it's one of the first to develop.
0: I, you know, I actually just recently, legitimately the other day went to this place of anger, almost rage. And my boyfriend and I were having an argument and I felt like I was losing complete control of my thoughts, my mind, my emotions, (laughs) my dignity. And from a scientific place, what is it about anger that triggers the release of like all your defenses?
1: Well, yeah, you're going through a, a fight or flight response, basically, I'm guessing in that point. So you're having more of a fight response, but let's talk about the cognitive background of anger. Anger we really look at in a, in a kind of some particular ways, but it's generally that we believe somebody has done something wrong. So in that, I'm guessing you believe your boyfriend did something wrong. Then we start to judge the whole person for having done that wrong thing. So we believe they've done something wrong. They're a bad person for having done that wrong thing, and they need to be taught a lesson or punished and that is generally our anger reaction. So they've done something wrong, they're a bad person, and they need to be taught a lesson or punished, and that brings up anger. There is also another category that when people feel rage, often they feel humiliated, and both things can be true at once. You can have both both states of mind, but that humiliation can actually cause people to feel very, very small And so then they react by trying to be very, very big and they have a rageful reaction.
0: So why is it, and you may have already answered a little bit of this, but why is it so easy to slip into that state?
1: You know, it's an interesting thing. I don't know that it's, (laughs) you know, we learning to manage our anger is something we have to do from very little when we're very little kids. and some parents are very good about teaching their children how to manage emotions. And some parents just indulge their children's emotions. I think, you know, we always see that we often don't pay attention to the kids whose parents are really doing a good job because those parents are sort of corralling the kid, managing it, dealing with things, et cetera, et cetera. We often pay attention to those children. Whose parents don't really have control. So the child's yelling, screaming, et cetera, or the child has some sort of challenging issue where the parent is almost in over their head. It's just a tough, it's just a tough situation. Um, but yeah, from when we're young, we, we have to learn to manage frustration. And that really is a bottom line emotional stance of where anger comes from. We all don't get what we want. So we have to learn to manage when we don't get what we want and be able to tolerate the distress, be able to sit with it and be not maybe okay, but to understand it isn't the end of the world and we can come back another day or find another way to achieve what we want.
0: I feel like I've been spending my entire life practicing that. (laughs) <laughs> I grew up as
1: we all have yes as we all it is have.
0: not it has been one of my biggest challenges in life honestly. I grew up in a household of five. I had two siblings, two brothers that are twins that are um, two years younger than me and everybody in the household including my parents were type A boisterous performance-based. And super emotional. And when anger would strike, it affected the entire family. And eventually it became my default method of handling situations. It's when I felt threatened or if things weren't going my way. And, and so, I mean, I can remember even at a really young age just thinking, this is how you handle life. And it always got me into trouble um, and really affected my relationships, especially into my adulthood.
1: Yeah, well, you know what, it, it, I would I would say yes, I, I could see that, but probably in your household, the anger helped. Um, we generally don't develop a response to things unless it has some sort of payoff, at least in the beginning. So our brain learns that this is the way to go. Um, in my household, I also grew up with five kids, that's so funny, um, and I was right there smack in the middle. I always call it Jam Brady syndrome. You know, always felt like you know there was the younger got all the attention, the older got to set all the rules, and the middle just had to kind of bump around into things. Um, where were you, by the way, Janice?
0: Um, Southern California.
1: No, no, me too, me too. But I meant, where were you in the in the lineup of the kids?
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the oldest in Southern California. No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> you were the oldest. You were the rule yeah, setter. Oldest.
0: Rule setter, you yes. Look
1: at you. That's really fascinating. Um, interesting too, because my oldest sister, I see her struggle sometimes. Um, she was always sort of used to being on top, setting the rules, um, and it's interesting. I see her continue to do that. I don't know if that's you, um, where I think I was a little more used to having to, you know, negotiate in between, constantly negotiating. Um, and I see my youngest sister as she's just you know she's forever a princess. It's that's just what's always going to be. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just kind of an interesting thing. We we do learn these things. So you probably had some sort of payoff in your family that anger did help. Um, I grew up in my family. We had my father was very very angry all the time. I mean I will say. What was so funny is a lot of people will think that my father drank, if I ever describe life at home with him, because it would just come completely out of the blue. He would get mad at you for nothing. You could be perfectly asleep and he'd pull you out of bed to scream and yell and hit you. But he would do all these different things, Um, but he never touched a drop of alcohol. He just had a very, very um, bad problem with anger and with his own emotional management issues. So in our family, anger, we did have anger, but I think the kids learned to really hold it down because it couldn't be expressed without a lot of consequence.
0: I feel like it's almost like a temporary relief.
1: Well, of course it's a temporary, and it feels kind of good. Like, if you know, yeah. if, if you feel Why does very- it feels so good because <laughs> you release the frustration, you release the frustration, and then you feel like, "Ah, oh, I got all the frustration out, and then you have to deal with all that collateral damage that you just did. So it's not a good thing in the end, but it feels good in that moment. And to actually hold on to and not express anger can feel very frustrating. Like when we get mad, uh, I was trying to think, you know, when you're driving, um, I can't, I can't think of a, a, an example right now, but I know it happens when I'm driving and someone just does something very stupid. Um, and I'll get angry, but what do I do? Do I flip them off, chase after them, yell at them and in, instruct them in how wrong they were, or do I have to manage my anger? and move on, because I have to get to work, because I have other things to do. So in that moment, it would feel so good to just be an ass on the road and just go after somebody. But in that moment, I have to just sort of tell myself, okay, and I, what I do is I often look at the longer goal. I have to get to work. That's my big thing right now. I can get through this. I'll be over this in a minute, and, and literally a minute later, I'm over it, if I can just pull it in and keep going on with my day.
0: I love that you said the longer goal and i'm gonna practice that because (laughs) i'm so impulsive just by nature that it's it's really hard for me to see the longer goal i want the short-term goal and i want it now
1: (laughs) you know impulsiveness that plays a big role in anger of course because we'll give in to that urge when we feel that that impulsivity and if you want to learn to manage impulsivity there's there are other practices you can do that's just practicing frustration tolerance. I often instruct parents and then eventually a lot of clients because they didn't learn it adequately as kids how to just manage frustration because it's you know it's one of the most if not the most important skill we can have in life is to be able to sit with difficulty. And so managing frustration Um, uh, Exercises I give to people, by the way, these are two big ones I give, is I have people, when they go to a parking lot, to park in the farthest parking space they can park, every time, not just once, not twice, but every time. So that they, because you know how we'll spend over and over, we'll drive closer and closer to look for that perfect parking space. Instead, have them practice frustration by parking far. And also the other thing is when they encounter a line is to go to the longest line. So when you go to the grocery store or to a gas station, get behind the longest line instead of trying to find the shortest one and just sit there. And third is when you're on the road, get in the slowest traffic lane. All three of those help build our frustration muscle, but all three of them are extremely challenging for everybody but especially people with frustration issues or um, impulsivity issues.
0: (sighs) Nobody wants to do that, (laughs) Dr. Greg. Nobody wants to do that. (laughs) (laughs) They all suck. But as you were sharing, I felt like, okay, this is something I need to practice sometime because you're right. When you put it in terms of building a muscle, the frustration muscle, For me, that just goes directly back to fitness. And I know what that looks like and what it takes. And it takes persistence, it takes patience, and it takes consistency. So I'll have to get back to you and let you know how my my run went on that.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you'll do very good because I actually find people who are involved in fitness already know this intuitively. They understand that results don't come easily and they come after a lot of hard work. And just one workout won't mean a change in their body. Like, the, and in fact, you can have one workout and a day of eating flawlessly and gain weight. And you're like, what just happened? Um, but if you, that's the people who are focused on these very narrow results. You kind of have to look out over time. So when people are practicing emotional goals, they want to practice these skills. They may still have an outburst. But over time, are they getting fewer and fewer outbursts and are they able to manage them better?
0: I love it. I love all your suggestions and it makes all the sense to me and hopefully to the audience here. Um, (laughs) We'll hope. We'll hope. And (laughs) let's talk about the trauma around anger issues. You know, how do you start unpeeling uncovering and discovering those layers?
1: You know, it's a good question. Um, You know, I often think trauma is an overused concept. In today's world, we often say everything's traumatic. Oh my God, I couldn't get into the movies because it was sold out, so that was a trauma. I mean, come on, people. But (laughs) but anger, can cause genuine trauma because things like physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse um, are end up being quite traumatic. Bullying, um, which I talk to a lot of people about, and a lot of people carry long, long long-term scars, and people um, have to really deal with those things, and it's very hurtful to them. Trauma is something that is best handled by being able to sort of talk to the person and be able to let them express everything that they can so the treatment really can look rather boring but it's straightforward it's being able to tell your story and how i often look at trauma it's as if you're carrying remember 52 card pickup remember you'd hold a deck of cards and someone go Do you want to play 52 card pickup and you're like sure and they, yeah, I was just a kid. I remember this, my my siblings. This is this will give you a good flavor. Hold up my pack of cards, and they're like, "Let's play fifty-two card ki- pick up." And then they'd whack the pack of cards out of your hands, and then you'd have all the cards laid out on the ground. When a trauma happens, we have this neatly ordered pack of cards, which is our brain. And when a trauma happens. It's like we get whacked and all the cards go on the ground. So what the person's task at that point who suffered the trauma is they have to pick those cards back up. And to deal with the trauma in the short term, they may just rush and get all the cards together very quickly. But that may mean all the cards are sort of out of order and upside down, etc. Part of what they need to do in trauma recovery is to be able to reorder the cards. So to do that, they need to tell their story, talk about how it's affecting them, and be able to go through things at their own pace. It may take a while. Um, and, and this helps them to be able to start to reorder the world that makes sense to them. This is the treatment, but we also have to understand a truth about trauma which is that truth can cause us to gain a different perspective on the world. Um, If somebody has been through, um, they've been robbed at gunpoint, they've been raped, they've had other a serious car crash where their life has been threatened, they gain a different understanding of the world. And so... They may start to see the world differently than they did before, but that's just adaptive. What we want to help them do is to be able to see the world with that new information, but not have their world limited or held back because of fear.
0: And fear is the ultimate driver. And I really feel like that was where a lot of my anger issues had come from too, is just genuine fear. Fear of not getting my own way or fear of, you know, having to be defensive because I felt threatened.
1: Um, yes. I mean, absolutely true. You know, yes. I would not want you to stop having defensiveness. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm going to play this back to my boyfriend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can talk about the defensiveness in general is not helpful in relationships um and it's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm. but if you are truly feeling threatened then it's good for you to be able to have that response what we want to do is to not have that response willy-nilly so that you're defensive about everything you know there are those people i i'm constantly amazed by these people who one can't admit that they did something wrong, and two refuse to apologize for anything. And I'm thinking, what is the big deal if you do something wrong? So what? Because that's the only way you can really correct something is to realize you've done something wrong. And what is, you know, apologies are cheap, they help to mend relationships. And that to me is why apologies are really helpful. It's not to say, absolve me of my sins cuz you can't do that but i can say look i feel i regret what i did and i'm sorry that i hurt you and you and that will really actually probably help you to be able to come toward me if we had a disagreement you and i Jenna you could come toward me and then say yes i appreciate that thank you and we could get on with our relationship and in fact even have a stronger one as a result so i i think um to be able to take responsibility and to be able to apologize are two of the most powerful yet easiest things to do
0: I agree it's one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had and True. also the most <laughs> rewarding and then I get to practice forgiveness too which I feel like is the root of all of it
1: Yes and forgiveness you know it's I often find it's much easier to forgive others than to forgive ourselves and i think a lot of people that struggle with anger have a lot of trouble forgiving both they don't forgive others they hold on to past hurts and they don't forgive themselves they have these unrealistic high expectations of themselves that are just not helpful um and in fact we all screw up all day long i I sometimes marvel at the amount of screw ups i do in one day um and and I'm like, my goodness! Or I say the wrong thing, or I do the wrong thing, and You're i know not noticed... alone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I. But you know what I do is I just get on with things, and I notice that actually, overall, people are generally very forgiving. Like they see me goof and you know, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing in in my uh, work. You know, it's it's tough. I point. point I I may have two offices I'm in the other office right now I point toward my where I do in-person therapy I do my video sessions here but um I I point there because it's like in that room it's almost a holy room to me um in the sense that I screw up and I never want to I always want to help people but I do screw up but you know what I find is the client's Go there with me, and they they allow me to screw up because I allow them to screw up. So we screw up together, and we all get we all move forward.
0: That's a beautiful thing. That that's a deep connection, and so sacred.
1: Mm-hmm. I thank you. Yeah, it really is. I think therapy. I you know I I think sometimes therapy is oversold. <laughs> You know, sometimes people think it's a cure-all for everything. It really isn't. But it's, it is an amazing, sacred relationship where healing really takes place.
0: I love that, where healing takes place. And I think that's what we're all here for. Um, well, I just wanted to end with one last question for you, and that is mental health, has just been such a hot topic, especially yeah. after the pandemic. So what would be your suggestions to keep your mental health healthy?
1: Oh my goodness. That is a huge question. And I think, yes. Um, we need to stay out of the crazy lane, by the way. I think a reason that we got a lot, very unhealthy was not just the fact that we were isolated, which is a big one, um, but that we got a lot of inconsistent messaging, especially from leaders at the top. And we and we had lead, leaders and media sources who thrived on um, sensationalism and emotional hits rather than on helping us all to cope. So one thing you can do, I've already said <laughs> there are many things you can do to help your mental health. But surround yourself with people who support you, who are consistent, who don't give you mixed messages, don't gravitate toward, um, you know, boring is helpful. Boring is, you know, in relationships, believe it or not, I've I've come to be, you know, convinced that boring is one of the most helpful states of mind one can be. It even is a state of mindfulness that you can start to see the world for what it is and appreciate it for what it is instead of demanding it be constantly different than what it isn't and getting mad at other people for not being exactly what you want, but just to to accept them for who they are as human beings and yourself. And if you can do that, you are 90% 90% there. I mean, it is a powerful thing.
0: Absolutely. Well, I have so enjoyed this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for dropping all your knowledge on us.
1: <laughs> thank you, Jane. It was really a pleasure speaking with you, honestly, very, oh, very much. Likewise. Not that I would be dishonest, but I really appreciate <laughs> it.
0: Yes, same. And I just hope you have a beautiful day. And thank you for coming on the Ageless Podcast, Dr. Greg.
1: Thank you. What a pleasure to be here. What a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ageless. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tune in next week for a new episode.